I'm Liz Sauer, and this is Ghosts in the Burbs, a podcast of ghost stories from Wellesley, Massachusetts. A warning, adults who use adult language told me these frightening tales, these ghost stories, aren't for kids. Hi. February is Women in Horror Month, so I will patiently remind you that if you have not done so yet, read Come Closer by Sarah Graham. Just read it. It was a huge inspiration for this podcast, and I really think you should read it. Don't worry, I'll remind you again in the future, but as soon as everyone complies, I will stop asking. As a woman in horror myself, I bet I know how to raise your heart rate with only one word. Variants. I know they've got me looking over my shoulder, even though I haven't left the house in a week. Lord knows what the future holds, but I'm going to do my best to release new episodes every other week on Fridays. Please follow Ghosts in the Burbs on Instagram for all updates, though. It's sort of the only social media I feel comfortable with right now. I mean, sure, I'm on Twitter, but that's just so I can scream into the void about the state of affairs like everyone else. While Instagram is for spooks, dogs, and home design. Now, our last story brought us forward to a time even more frightening than the one we live in now. This next tale drags us back to a time when I was just getting used to my uncanny ability to see and hear ghosts, to a time when Claire was showing me the ropes and I was tripping over myself to keep up. Maybe that's why I chose to share the story now. That feeling of flailing in every direction is familiar once again. So here we are at ghost story number 57, pacing. not really something you get used to, seeing the dead, though it does become less unnerving over time. Personally, the thing that discombobbles me the most is the fact that, to me at least, they look alive. It's not until I really focus on them that I understand that I'm actually looking at a ghost. It's like there's a little something off with a space around their bodies. Not their bodies, because they don't have bodies anymore, but like the space around them is a teeny bit blurry fuzzy. And when I look straight at them, their coloring is ever so slightly muted. It reminds me of the way soap operas looked when I was younger. Hazy, pretty, and pastelish. But what really gives them away is their expression when they realize that I can actually see them. That expression, one that goes from alarm to hope rather quickly, tells me that I'm dealing with a dead person. Sometimes they talk to me, sometimes they don't but I can tell that I make them curious. All of this has taken time and patience and not a few awkward and frightening encounters to understand, but I admit that I've grown to really like most dead people. For one thing, they're as real as you're gonna get. There's no use putting on airs when you're dead. They know how to cut straight to the punchline. Sure, there are complete jerks on the other side, as in life, so in death and all that, but it seems, from what I've experienced anyway, that everyone gets taken down a peg or two in passing. But just when I thought I had the whole spotting dead people thing in the bag, I got taken down a peg or two myself. Sometimes what looks like a dead person isn't. There's something else, but not just one something else. That would be too easy. A lot of beings like to mask themselves as dead people for a lot of different reasons. So though I can't often see past their dead person suit to what they really are unless they decide to reveal themselves, 
I've figured out one of their tells. It's their reaction to me. When the dead aren't surprised to see me, or when they aren't surprised that I can see them, that's when I need to worry. The first time I encountered a being from the other side dressed up as a dead person, they latched onto me and gave me horrible nightmares for a couple weeks before I finally admitted to Judith that I needed help. Judith is blessed slash cursed with the ability to see what beings really are, whether they want her to or not. That's not a ghost, you lunatic, she admonished the second I walked into her house. I looked from her to the ghost. I tried to get rid of it, but... And how exactly did you do that? I grimaced. By releasing it into the light? And how'd that work out for you? I side-eyed the spirit, who giggled. Did you wonder why a ghost would be giving you violent nightmares? I shrugged. I thought they did that sometimes. Of course they do, but not like that. She sighed heavily and retrieved a small vial of brick dust from a drawer in her kitchen. I can't believe you brought a fucking imp into my house. Sorry. I was still learning all these nuances when I spoke with Lillian Donnelly McMillan. I wasn't in the mood to interview anyone. My life was full enough at that point, but the woman was persistent. She wouldn't take no for an answer. This woman I knew loosely through spin class gave Lillian, Lily, to her friends, my phone number. I'd only recently run into the dead woman at Brugger's and was beginning to see dead people everywhere in addition to having them speak to me. So I was a touch stressed. I tried to do the gentle, I'm sort of drowning in the kids' nonsense and trying to finish a book right now, so... But she would not be deterred. If you could find 20 minutes, maybe after drop-off in the morning, I could meet you anywhere. I'm desperate for your professional advice. Maybe a phone call, I suggested. I'd really prefer to talk to you in person. This is a sensitive subject. Fine. 20 minutes at Starbucks in Linden Square after drop-off Thursday morning. And to be clear, it was an interview. No one in their right mind would call me a professional. Any advice I had to offer should be taken with a gallon of salt. And I intended to record the interview on the blog. I hoped that last part would deter her. It didn't. There was a dead woman in the Starbucks when I got there, behind the counter. This is my grandson, she said, beaming. Will you tell him how proud I am? Oh, and tell him that he should switch majors. Fuck. After an awkward exchange with the barista, I grab my venti soy pumpkin spice latte and hold up at one of the tables beside a window overlooking the entrance to the shopping center. And waited. Lily was 17 fucking minutes late. When she blew in through the doors, I knew it was her without even knowing who the hell she was. Oh my god, Liz, you're Liz, right? She unwound the massive scarf from around her neck and slumped into the chair across from me. You have no idea the morning I've had. Pulling her leather gloves off by the fingertips, she launched into a very Wellesley monologue about pool closing schedules, landscaping trouble, and kids' riding lessons. What are you drinking? I told her. Oh my god, you are just so on brand. Okay, let me get a coffee. Be right back. I sat and stewed and looked at my watch and knew that I'd be stuck in this woman's clutches for at least another hour. I considered sneaking out, knowing I didn't stand a chance against a woman like Lily. Her personality was just too strong. 
She'd better have a doozy of a scary story, I grumbled. Just you wait, Claire replied. Lily's voice rose above the coffee shop din. Oh no, but coconut milk is listed on the board behind you, so... The barista, whose grandmother wanted him to major in anthropology, explained the unfortunate coconut milk situation that everyone was doing their best to face bravely. Soy milk is fine, Lily whined, but someone should really cross it off your little list up there so no one accuses you of false advertising, right? The 19-year-old young man apologized again. Lily caught me watching the interaction. No coconut milk, she stage whispered. Can you even? I shrunk down in my seat, not wanting to be associated with her. A woman behind Lily in line caught my eye and smirked. You're wearing your medal today, right? Claire said. She materialized beside me, casually sitting on the window ledge. Yes, why? You're going to need it. Lily whooshed back to the table, a whirlwind of blonde highlights, eyelash extensions, and faux leather leggings. No coconut milk. Can you believe it? She sipped daintily from a small cup. I look forward to this little treat every morning. What did you get? I asked politely. Usually, I get a tall dark roast with a splash of coconut milk and half a Splenda. Some treat, Claire snorted. I pulled the digital recorder out of my tote, flipped its switch, and placed it on the table between us. I'm sorry to rush you, but we'd better get started. 100%. I have to be somewhere by 10. Lily eyed the recorder. Okay, I feel like you are literally not going to even believe a word of this. Any normal person would think I was an absolute loon. She glanced around. Should I just, like, say it? Um, sure. She leaned across the table. There is a ghost following me. I believe it, I assured her. I've had something similar happen. Lily sighed dramatically. <laughs> You're for real, right? This isn't some sort of an avant-garde role-play punk situation, is it? What? Well, are you? Am I what? For real. I just don't want to be set up. Stunned, I simply asked, Have you read my blog? No, that's not really my thing. Okay. I rubbed my eyes. Here's how it works. I interview you about your haunting and record our conversation with this digital recorder. After that, I transcribe the conversation onto my blog and people who are into this kind of thing read it. Huh, I thought blogs were like over. Look, I'm really tired. I really want to take a nap while the kids are at school. So if you don't feel comfortable sharing your story, then I'm totally cool with that. No, no, it's fine. Besides, I don't have anyone else to talk to about this. Okay. Lily used the edge of her finger to push her long eyelashes up. I'll trust the process. Good. I waited for her to speak. She didn't. She just sipped her coffee and looked at me expectantly. So what's going on? I just told you she said, as if I were a simpleton. A ghost is following me everywhere. How do you know that? I can hear her. What does she say? 
She doesn't say anything. I hear her walking around and stuff. That gave me a little chill. When did you start to hear her? The night we did the corn maze. Hmm, that's unexpected, Claire commented. Totally, I replied without thinking. Hmm? Sorry, I meant spooky. What were you doing in a corn maze? I'm the, text in brackets, name of women's group omitted at interviewee's request. End brackets. Social chair. So I organized an autumn girls' night at the extreme haunted Halloween maze in, text in brackets, name of town omitted at interviewee's request for some reason. End brackets. It was just supposed to be like a silly night. Of course, it was my turn to be designated driver, so it wasn't all that silly for me, but whatever. I've never been to an extreme haunt. I don't think I could handle it. Really? I think that would be right up your alley. No, too scary. Honestly, it was more annoying than anything else. After the first time a kid in disgusting makeup jumped out at us, it was like, okay, enough. We get it. By the time we made it all the way through, I had a migraine from bracing myself for the next weirdo to pop out. The girls pre-gamed in the parking lot beforehand. Lily rolled her eyes and twitched her head, swishing a stray blonde strand off her shoulder. I was so bummed, but at least I didn't draw Tequila Tuesday. That would have really sucked. Whatevs. Nothing was really all that freaky in the maze. I mean, like, besides the entire thing being utterly grotesque. Lily stared out the window seeming to replay the memory in her mind. But there was this one actor that actually did creep me out. What was so spooky about her? Lily blinked and looked back at me. She didn't jump out and scream like the rest of the actors, or whatever you call those people. I didn't even notice her at first. I just felt someone beside me, and I thought it was one of my friends until I looked over. Lily shivered. She was just quietly walking alongside me, staring at the ground. I was like, Jesus, back off. She looked up and just smiled at me. But then one of my friends walked right into me and I turned around for a sec. When I looked back, that woman was gone. As Lily spoke, the woman who'd been behind her in the Starbucks line moved closer to us. I'd clocked her a few minutes prior because she hadn't ordered a coffee and her outfit was a touch dramatic. She had on a gray fitted top tucked into a long gray skirt that skimmed the floor. Her brown hair was tied at the nape of her neck in a tight bun. Now, before you think the obvious, I have to say we're in Wellesley. Most women run around in Lululemon or designer jeans, but some of them really go after it and wear designer everything head to toe. I figured she was just one of those, especially since she was so thin. But when she moved to stand behind Lily, I knew I'd been wrong. What did she look like? I asked, knowing the answer already. Did you see The Haunting of Hill House? Wait, of course you did. Lily snarked. She looked like that housekeeper, the one in the bun. Mrs. Dudley? I don't know, probably. The woman behind stared at the ground and began pacing. Anyway, I saw her one more time before we left that corn maze situation. We hung out and tailgated for an hour or so after that stupid maze so everyone could have another drink or two before we went home. As I was getting in the car, she was at the edge of the field. 
just in front of the cornstalks, watching us. I pointed her out to one of my friends, Rachel Trelling. Do you know her? I shook my head. Really? Everyone knows Rachel. I just shrugged. Anyway, I was like, give it a break already, right? But Rachel couldn't see her. I mean, that weirdo was like right there. I just figured Rachel was tipsy and not paying attention. She's sort of a drunk. I mean, don't tell anyone I said that, but I almost had to carry her to her front door after our last book club. Like, maybe that was funny in our 20s, but after 35, it's just not a good color on anyone. The woman behind Lily had stopped pacing. She still stared at the ground and held her hands behind her back. I could see her in profile, and a small smile stretched her lips. Have you ever seen spirits before? Like, maybe when you were little? I asked her. No. I mean, maybe. I raised my eyebrows. My grandparents' house, when I was like five-ish, there was this man in their garage. Whatever. I was little. All kids see ghosts, right? Not really, I pointed out. So what are you saying? That you might have abilities. Abilities? Like what, I'm psychic? Yeah, no, that's not real. The woman behind her began pacing again. Okay, so what happened next? I asked. I'm assuming you saw her again. No, I haven't seen her again, remember? I've heard her stomping around a lot, but mostly I just, like, know she's there. Does that make any sense? Only for someone with abilities, Claire commented, saying out loud exactly what I was thinking. But it started right away, so that's why I'm pretty sure it had something to do with that corn maze bullshit. After I relieved the babysitter that night, all I wanted to do was shower to get that itchy farm smell off me, pop a Xanax, and crawl into bed. I was dozing off when I heard someone in the hallway, right outside my bedroom. The footsteps were heavy, so I assumed it was my husband Chase. He'd been out at a client dinner, so I was expecting him home late. I waited for him to come into the bedroom, but when he didn't, I got up and poked my head out into the hallway. There wasn't anyone there. I checked on the kids and they were sound asleep. The whole thing really freaked me out, but I tried to convince myself that I was only half asleep and dreamt that I heard the noise. We have ADT, but our sitter is kind of an idiot, so I was worried that someone might have gotten into the house while she was there. I double-checked the security system, then watched the camera footage on my phone, but I didn't see anything, so I just tried to settle back down to sleep. And then I heard it again. Footsteps up and down the hall, like someone was pacing, I guessed. Exactly. This time, I was too afraid to open the bedroom door, so I texted Chase, and luckily he was just over at Smith & Walensky, so he came right home. He checked everything out, but he didn't find anyone, so he poked fun of me for getting scared at a kid's Halloween maze. Lily smiled at the memory, but her face quickly fell. The next night, he was there when I heard the pacing in the hallway. She hesitated. But he couldn't hear them. I was like, how could you not hear that? I made him check all the doors, the basement, even the backyard. He was so annoyed. But the next night was even worse. Now the pacing footsteps were in our bedroom, right at the end of our bed. It sounded like someone was short clunky heels was just walking back and forth, back and forth. As Lily spoke, the woman nodded her head and continued to pace. 
That is why I look like such hell right now. I haven't slept through the night since then. I can't continue to walk around looking like this. These bags under my eyes are my worst nightmare realized. Has there been anything else besides the footsteps, I mean? Well, yeah. It was probably the fourth or fifth night after that stupid fucking maze. I woke up because it felt like someone sat down on the end of the bed, down by my feet. But there was no one there. There was an indentation on the covers, like someone was sitting there, but there wasn't anyone there. I was so scared I couldn't move. I don't know how, but at some point I must have dozed off because the next thing I knew, my phone alarm was going off and it was time to get up. Did you tell your husband? No, he already thinks I'm crazy. Lily rolled her eyes. But that's not the worst of it. Four nights ago, I was listening to an audiobook trying to fall asleep when I felt her sit down on the bed. This time, she's right beside me. I tried to sit up and I just couldn't. I couldn't move at all. My body was like completely frozen. I tried to yell out for Chase, but I couldn't make a sound. And I felt her get up off the bed, and then all of a sudden, it was like there was a truck on my chest. It was so heavy, it pushed me down into the bed, and I could barely breathe. That's terrifying, I said, watching the bun woman stop and stand directly behind Lily. It's happened every single night since. I've tried to stay awake, but I just can't, and at a certain point, I doze off, and it happens again. What do you think she wants? I asked, my eyes moving between Lily and the woman. How the fuck should I know? The woman had aged. When I'd first spotted her, I would have guessed she was in her 40s. Now she looked closer to 80. The change had been subtle, but definite. She reached out a hand and gripped Lily's shoulder. Lily shivered and slid her jacket back on. How long has this been going on? I mean, since you first saw her at the maze. She looked up, calculating the days. Ugh, we went to that stupid maze not last Saturday, but the one before, so almost two weeks, I guess? It escalated really fast, I commented. Is that bad? I'd say so, Claire said in a low voice. It's not great. I don't know if I can help you get rid of her, but I'll try. If I can't do it, then I have a friend who can help. How can you do anything about it? Lily asked suspiciously. Um, I can see her. You can see who? The woman. She's standing right behind you. She's been pacing the entire time you've been talking to me. Be careful, Claire cautioned. The woman reached out her other hand, which now resembled a sort of claw, and gripped Lily's other shoulder. Lily wrapped her arms around herself as if she were freezing. Okay, you know what? I really don't need this right now. I'm dealing with enough shit. What, do you think you're psychic or something? No, I can just see the dead and I can talk to them. But the thing is, the thing attached to you isn't a dead person. Oh, really? What is it? Bigfoot? Great. How much do I owe you? Or do you invoice me once you've taken out all the essential oils and crystal enemas? Jesus, what was I thinking? Lily stood and stormed out of the cafe. The woman, or whatever the hell she was, remained behind for a long moment, staring me down, her face now gaunt and gray, with dark circles like bruises beneath her eyes. What the hell are you? 
Her lips opened into a slow smile, revealing a line of black, jagged teeth. I pushed my chair back. She turned slowly and disappeared into a crowd of women in workout gear. I sat stunned for a moment, then slid into my jacket. What was that thing? I asked quietly. That was an old hag, Claire answered. There's no chance it could start following me around, is there? I don't think so, but if it does, then I'm off like a prom dress. I had a giggle and left the Starbucks. Once we were in the car, I asked, what's going to happen to her? She'll die, Claire said, matter-of-factly. But she has kids. Claire sniffed. Yeah, and when I was a teenager, my best friends killed me, then trapped my soul so they could be rich and thin. Shit happens. As I recently let my Patreon donors know, I've jumped ship and gone to coffee. That's ko-fi.com. Thanks to some really great advice from Augie Peterson. If you haven't listened to the short stories of Augie Peterson podcast, you should do so right after you read Come Closer by Sarah Graham. If you're interested in supporting this show, I've included the link to coffee in the show notes. And to all of you who have already donated, from the bottom of my panicked and racing heart, thank you. As always, head over to ghostintheburbs.com for all the links. This has been Ghosts in the Burbs. Good night, sleep tight, and don't forget your nightlight.